0: Hello and welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. My name is Beth Shank, Healthcare Sustainability Leader in Missoula, Montana. On the podcast, I interview nurses working at the intersection of health and environment. This is the final episode of season three of the podcast, and I've been looking forward to today's conversation with Annabelle Castro-Thompson, nurse practitioner and senior vice president of health equity at Equality Health in Phoenix, Arizona. Annabelle is also on the board of the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments and she led the development of Annie's recent policy on justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. She brings wisdom and insight to the challenging work of creating equitable health. Welcome, everyone, to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. This is the final podcast of season three, and it's an exciting one. I'm thrilled to have with me today Annabelle Castro-Thompson, who is the Senior Vice President of Health Equity at Equality Health in, out of Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome to the podcast, Annabelle.
1: Thank you, Beth. It is an honor for me to join you. I have been following your podcast, uh, listening to it, and today is, is my privilege uh, to join
0: you as a participant. Well, thanks, and it's my privilege to have you. So tell, tell us a bit about your background and your nursing background and how you got to where you are. Sure,
1: absolutely. Um, so so I'll, I'll start with a story, Beth, because they say that um, eh, we, we speak better when we do it through stories. Um, so um, my, my story begins when, when I was a child. Uh, my father, who is an internal uh, medicine physician, um, used to take me and my sister on rounds with him to the hospital on the weekends. And, and I will tell you, um, it didn't happen very often, uh, but the the experience left an imprint on me. Um, I, I think from a young age, uh, he instilled in me that the field of medicine and healthcare it not only offered career choices, but also a process of long learning, and more importantly, it came with the tremendous opportunity uh, to make a meaningful impact in people's lives. And so that's my interest in the field of medicine. I didn't know yet that it was going to lead to a career in nursing. So um, since I was was young, I've always been interested in the environment. Um, I I started my university studies uh, at the University of Arizona as a biochemistry major and actually considered um, at one point, Beth, switching my major to ecology and evolutionary biology. And, and I will tell you that after taking a few classes, I felt terrified, I was anxious and depressed. I, I was actually horrified by the ecological impact that humans had on the planet. Um, the, the conversation perhaps at that point, many, many years ago, it was not prom- as prominent in climate change uh, as it is now, but nevertheless, I still felt overwhelmed and I felt hopeless. And so in, in, my, in my career trajectory, um, something led me uh, to nursing, and and it's been uh, the most uh, or a most rewarding career for me. So I, I currently work as, as a nurse practitioner and also senior vice president of health equity at Equality Health. And, and important uh, to the role that I play is that I get to lead on cultural care models. How do we decrease health disparities across populations that perhaps haven't engaged in the traditional US healthcare system in the past. But then also, I also lead our approach to social determinants of health. And, and I will tell you a bit, for those of us that work in the space of social determinants of health, community design and, and environment are so important that they actually have a direct effect in life expectancy. And so I've been privileged that I've been able to use um, my expertise and my development uh, within my nursing career uh, to now uh, affect change and actually uh, create projects and initiatives uh, and implement strategy uh, around environmental justice and climate equity projects, uh, which I happen to be passionate about.
0: Wow, that's fabulous, and what a beautiful way to bring together your interests both as a child and as a young adult when you were starting school and your commitment to health, which really shines through. Um, can you give us an example about how you apply um, some of the work you're doing in Equality Health with the circumstances you're seeing in your own community of Phoenix? Sure, sure.
1: So, so- I'll tell you, Beth, the Equality Health is a, is a, is a newish company. It's, it started in, in 2015, and I started on the role. I was one of the first executives hired in 2016. And so I knew that, that we had to do something very unique. We work primarily with Medicaid uh, population, and uh, a large percentage of our population is ethnic minority communities. And I wanted to develop uh, something very unique, uh, that, that would impact health disparities and in, in more uh, particularly social inequities, right, which are often, that, that's what health disparities are rooted in uh, specifically. And then in, in preparing for my role in, in, in trying to create strategy and action, I I actually uh, stumbled upon um, a study by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, which was created in 2015. And and it was a study on life expectancy across the nation. It was done in 26 metro cities, and Phoenix, Arizona was, was one of those. And what it showed is they gave you a visual and a map, Beth. And what they showed you is that, at least in Arizona, the more affluent areas on the northeast side. Of the Phoenix metro area which is uh, uh, affluent had a life expectancy of 86 years and then you looked at the poor Latino dominant areas in the heart of the city and these uh, uh, communities had a life expectancy of 71 years okay 86 and 71 and so there was a 14 or 15 year difference and 12 miles of separation. And when when you when you distilled the findings, the root of the problem was the social determinants of health, right? Uh, which which there are many. And so I I wanted, I, I wanted to ensure that whatever we applied, what is it that was leading in Phoenix, Arizona to see those discrepancies, right? And if we root them in social determinants of health, how can we? A, a concentrate on, on some of these that can make the, the most potential impact in these communities. In addition to that, Beth, uh, uh, so, some other areas of interest along environmental health, which I, I do at Equality Health, is um, Phoenix uh, ranks uh, in the top five U.S. cities in the nation for asthma-related deaths. Okay, um, it, it's more predominant in low income and primarily ethnic minority communities. Latino uh, is where the disparity is greatest. Um, in in low-income Latino neighborhoods, about 16% of children have a diagnosis of asthma, and this is twice the national average. And, and if if you look at the findings from this research, we know that uh, the socio-spatial inequities. Are explained by zip code. And when you look at these zip codes, the preponderance of events are located in the center of the city along freeways, which are polluted, along the airport, and these areas also correspond with concentrations of industry with high emission levels. And so, what is it that we can do for these communities, right? Rather than uproot them, how, how do you create a sustainable environment around them and give them opportunities for health, for them to increase their health? And so these are the types of projects and initiatives that I am leading at Equality Health, uh, which is specific to a, a climate justice and uh, environment uh, so that so that we can make a difference.
0: Wow, that is so, so interesting and compelling. And it sounds like really satisfying work because you're going upstream, you're solving so many problems by doing better planning and better policy. Um, so let's just touch on, because you mentioned Phoenix and climate change, and we know that this year 2020 may, may break the records again. Um, how do you really address that in a, in a city like Phoenix, where, where by the way, my parents live, so I pay attention to Phoenix. And I get concerned about the heat. And what does that do to those elements you just brought up about air pollution, which is worse when the temperatures are hotter? Exactly, Beth. Exactly.
1: So, so um, as far as climate, right? Uh, we know that um, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, for the last few years, we have had um, uh, the hottest years on record. Um, we um are, are we've been just this week we've been on a, at 117 and uh, some areas around arizona are going to see 120 degree weather um as as you said this year is is on course to be the world's hottest right since we began measurements and this will also be true for phoenix arizona of importance to us, right? It's not just the heat. Some people tolerate it well because we say it's a dry heat. I happen to do well with the heat. Uh, Some people don't. But however, we know that heat exacerbates pollution. And so as pollution gets greater, right, in these areas that we were just talking, and uh, we see hospitalizations in children rising. The past few years, Beth, in some areas, we have seen a 300% in pediatric hospitalizations related to asthma, right? We know that kids breathe in more pollutants, because they're closer to the ground, and the pollutants concentrate closer to the ground. Children breathe faster than us adults do, and then their, their lungs are barely developing, right? And so this is going to have long-term repercussions for their health. But what can we do... Not just as as a a population, we need localities, municipalities, governments, right, community-based organizations. Everyone has to come together eh, to make a difference uh, in this arena. And and we're actually slowly but surely eh, uh, making a difference. I'm working on a a more comprehensive project, which I'll tell you about in a little bit, that we we hope will bring eh, some tremendous um, uh, change and influence to the area
0: well do tell that sounds very interesting
1: <laughs> let's dive right into it right <laughs> beth, so 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 i i will tell you beth because i i do social determinants of health right um and I, i've been doing it now for four years i mean my my team i i have a team of experts my team participates in housing collaboratives right uh, how do we find options for affordable housing? We do food and security initiatives. Uh, we've done a lot now through COVID for financial resources to help those most affected, et cetera, right? So we, we take a comprehensive approach to social determinants of health, right? But in addition to that, we we understand that um, the, the city of Phoenix, listen to this, is one of the largest cities in the nation, It's very spread apart and it's one of the only cities in the nation that actually uh, lacks a transit, uh, a, 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 a big infrastructure of public transit. We don't have anything like that. And so what we are left with, many of us that are driving in from the suburbs, right, or or from the extended area driving in, is uh, we we do a lot of pollution and it does create quite uh, um, tremendous congestion along the freeways. So I'll I'll tell you what I do internally first eh, eh, to ensure that that I'm creating action in, in um. I'm moving in that direction uh, internally as an agency, and then I'll tell you about this more comprehensive project eh, Beth, that I'm planning externally outside the agency um, so so that we can uh, evoke change. Um, so, so internally at Equality Health, I will tell you that um, since I deal all, all aspects of uh, social determinants of health, for a long time now, uh, Beth, I house all projects re- related to environmental action. Uh, one of the first things that we did at Equality Health is we participate with the City of Phoenix, which is a downtown Phoenix partnership. And what they do is if your building is downtown, they improve the greenery space around the building. And they pro- provide incentives for green energy. And then um, they do plan designed for alternative transit, like bike lanes and stuff like that. So we've been doing that for, for a few years so, so that we can help with this phenomenon that we are seeing with pollution in downtown. In addition to that, under my department, we also participate in the trip reduction program, which is, um, I, I would say... Um, our corporate commitment to sustainability to reduce fossil fuels, right? So, to all employees, if we provide incentives like um, like carpooling, parking. We pay for employees' public transit, whether they want to use the light rail, the bus, or a park and ride, right? And then, lastly, is the the we we have a um, uh, one one of my, one of my employees. We call her the the Queen of Green. <laughs> she, she, she leads our uh, green team, our recycling team, uh, which is recycling and sustainability. but I'm a huge proponent Beth, that change starts at home. And so I derivate that into uh, my the, the, my employer, right? And so home is is um, the enterprise as a whole. and so we have to ensure that we are taking steps to be a, a good community partner. So that's what I do internally now. Externally, Beth, um, have you ever heard, Beth, about the Blue Zones? Yes, I have, actually. Okay. So I have been working now for a few years, Beth, on on researching Blue Zones and seeing uh, whether whether Equality Health uh, can support an initiative like this, because it would bring Ah, it would bring uh, tremendous change to the area. So so for for you, for your listeners, um, I'll, I'll just explain a little bit about uh, what Blue Zones is, and then um I'll I'll talk about what we're doing internally to prepare ourselves for that. So Blue Zones, Beth, is a project that originated by National Geographics. And in, in, in Blue Zones is 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 a project that um uh, about places where you can find the, lower, the largest percentage of centenarians around the world with the greatest life expectancy. And so when they did this, they found that there are seven natural areas around the world where you can find concentrations, uh, large numbers of people living to the age of 100 and living not just not just in length, but with good life expectancy, right, and and good quality of life. And so the only place that we have here in North America is in Loma Linda, California, but there's some other places like um, one is in Japan, one is in Costa Rica, one is in the U.S., one is in Italy, Sardinia, and some other places. Anyway, what the authors have done is, after they engaged in this in, in this kind of like a, a research project, right? And this they found these seven natural areas, and the authors distilled the principles or perhaps the formula that leads to life expectancy. And what they do now is um, they go around the country creating or, or putting perhaps the, the, the necessary ingredients within a community uh, to promote uh, greater longevity. And, and, and it's very interesting. I mean, if, if you read into the research, uh, in order for a community to thrive, they have to have social connectedness and purpose and spirituality and, and plant-based diet. And you have to give people opportunities to move naturally and to have stress reduction and to have good diet and etc. right? And so for years now, the Blue Zones has been working in, in America, in the U.S., uh, to, in a handful of projects, and they've had great results by implementing this formula that they have. And there are four communities that come to mind, and I've read extensively about them, right? Because uh, we, we want to create something like that in Phoenix. One is in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, another one is is in Albert Lee, Minnesota, uh, Beach Cities, California, and then Spencer, Iowa. And what they do, Beth, which is very unique, and, and, and it has to do with climate change and environment as well is they come into an area and once you, you identify the area, they greenify the area, they create shade, they create opportunities for natural movement. They work with schools, restaurants and others on improving Uh, Food insecurity and food options, Uh, they provide uh, affordable housing, uh, social connectedness, Um, they decrease pollution, but the trick is you have to have a sponsor that commits at a larger scale within the city, to broker consensus with everyone, and that is willing to collaborate to bring everyone to the table. All the stakeholders, including government, the business communities, the communities themselves, everyone has to be ready to support it. And so I am in the process, uh, Beth, of of seeing how, how we can lead an effort like that and bring it right? Uh, To to these Latino communities uh, where we have been seeing uh, some of the impact that we were just talking about climate change and environmental pollution. I I will tell you one of the exciting things is that um, we we are the first to propose an equity framework to ensure that the process, right, doesn't lead to gentrification and unintended consequences. And so I, I just hope that in the future, Uh, this materializes, it would be
0: very exciting. Yeah, that's really uh, exciting and also ambitious, I imagine, with a city the size of Phoenix. I say this because it was a few years ago, probably four maybe uh, now, the the Blue Zone folks did come to our town, our small town in Missoula, Montana, and spoke uh, at our hospital, because the hospital was considering being one of the sponsors. And we had stakeholders from across the city there, and we did not opt to go forward. But there was a lot of interest, and I think you know, really a lot of uh, benefit, as you say. And and I just will reflect back to you that at that time, some of the comments from the other um, uh, community partners in the in the audience of this this one session, I'm remembering, was really about equity. They were quite concerned that that it would uh, it would it was not necessarily focusing on equity and what would we do to ensure that? So I think what you could add to that conversation in that program would be really valuable.
1: Yes, Beth. And, and, and you know, I, I will tell you that uh, initial conversations around that have been precisely that. Right. The last thing you want to create is, is this great effort. And then it leads to unintended consequences, gentrification, right? The Latino community, you improve their area, and now they find themselves that they're being priced out, right, of their communities. And so we we want to make sure that that doesn't happen, and that's why the equity framework has become so important. Uh, I also feel, Beth, that, um, you know, the ethnic minority communities, and I'm a Latina, right um we we always have a say that nothing for us without us right and so to a certain extent equality health that 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 is, that is what we do uh beth we provide services through the lens the, the lens of culture everything we do at equality health is to ensure that you have the right literacy, you have the right language, you use cultural adaptability, you engage on the social determinants of health, you understand The the importance elements of a culture, right, regardless of who it is, because culture can mean a lot of things, but you implement all that and you incorporate it into delivery so so that it has more uptake and prescription adherence and it leads to behavior modification and better outcomes and greater satisfaction and all of this. This is important, too, Beth, when we're talking about any project, any initiative, and especially something as large as Blue Zones, right? And then the, the last thing I'll say about that is, is, Beth, so we are bringing the community Not only are we just bringing government and business and and, and it's the members of those communities that have to see the value proposition in them and that have to understand what the potential impact is and that we have to alleviate their fears in this. I I think this, this is where... The nursing profession is so powerful, right? We broker and trust in communities with great, we're great at educating and advocating. And so uh, to a certain extent, I feel privileged to be a nurse and to have my position and to bring this forward because it it might be uh, um, a a good fit uh, for Mm -hmm. us to lead this.
0: Yeah, that's fabulous. Well, I I look forward to hearing what you discover in your own process of, of determining that. Um, and you know, taking that on, perhaps, it's really great. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I, I, I. will. I will tell you. Uh, perhaps in in a, in a different or a setting or, or in a future podcast bit. <laughs> that sounds good.
0: <laughs> well, I have a few things to follow up on because mm-hmm. I'm just so interested in your work. So one is um, because you're you pay attention to policy. Do you have any comments at this point about the um, how you would um, accept or uh, you know your feelings about your thoughts about the Green New Deal proposal or similar proposals?
1: You know, um, so so this is what this is what I will say. Um, Beth is um, the perfect should not be the enemy of the good, right? So many times we get hung up in that things have to be perfect for everything and, and um, to a certain extent we, we we undermine great efforts that are being made and in and, and, and I I understand that there's there's some complexities to this but um, I I think it's 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 time I I, I think it's time to engage um, in all the climate uh, prognosticating, a, a frameworks that we are seeing, Beth, are telling us that we are running out of time it, to really enact action that's going to help us and future generations as we inhabit the planet. Um, the impact that we are seeing ecologically is devastating, and so I I think I, we need to do something. I I really do hope that the United States um, um finds a way uh, to enact action. And and on that I will say um Beth that um some of the country's biggest supporters in climate change is actually the Latino community. And and um, um Latinos really care about policies that impact family and their children. And I, I will tell you uh, that um, they are the ones advocating uh, for, for policies uh, that, that are very robust in, in and that, that, that can really make a, a tremendous change. Um, they, they want an aggressive agenda to protect the environment. And so with the election coming up, beth it's 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 an important time for nurses and for everyone right to educate our communities about what what this means what this election means right without getting political but but it's it's it's, it's a reality
0: yeah it's here here well and and also right now um you know covid has revealed so much i feel like and partly maybe because people are Less, uh, less out in the world. There's more time for people to to, to think and reflect. Some of the revelations um, for me certainly are ongoing, our ongoing environmental crisis, but also our social equity crisis. <laughs> now, it is. I am so grateful that it is the light is shined on that, and there are many, many people around the world who feel more activated, and it brings me back to. Um, uh, One of the statements out of Laudato Si, the Pope's encyclical on the environment from 2015, which is, we do not have a social crisis and an environmental crisis, we have a socio-environmental crisis, and we must heal both through through the same roots, one of which is to, to address poverty, another is the dignity of the individual, and I see that as racial injustice and other injustices, and also care of the planet. And to me, they are, they are so married, as he has said, that it is the same um, issue that we need to solve. So your discussion about health equity applied to these problems, even these gigantic problems like climate change, I just think it's so right and so appropriate. And it's the only way we will be effective is if we address both.
1: I I completely agree, Beth. You know, um, I've been been talking and and, uh, I've been uh, chanting right the mantra that uh, health inequities and climate change are deeply interconnected. Um, Climate change acts as a threat multiplier. It exacerbates poverty, uh, environmental degradation, and political instability. And so, like health inequities, climate change is a problem rooted in um, structures, systems, and values of our society and, and the economy. That's that's why. That's exactly why I feel that remediation of climate change and achievement of climate equity um, is is an urgent task, right? And requires participation by virtually everyone in the planet because it's not just you. You can't separate the subject as climate. This is deeply interconnected uh, into the health inequities and our social inequities that we have in, in, in our community. And so um, the, this is going to require participation by everyone in the planet um, uh, to ensure that uh, that we see action.
0: Well, I'm glad there are 30 million nurses then. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you Beth. Yes.
1: And, and becoming more powerful and elevating our voice and um, also uh, because we see the 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 deep interconnection right of climate and environment and health uh, that, that are more and more uh, coming to the forefront and wanting to see action
0: mm-hmm. well I have two questions for you that are a little bit more related to nursing and one is um, as a board member of Annie you you helped Annie the Alliance of nurses for a healthy environment create their a statement recently on justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Could you tell us about that? How did how did you do that? Um, what did you find valuable or challenging? Sure. So, so Beth, um,
1: we we have a committee, and we call ourselves the Jedi Committee. Um, <laughs> for those uh, for those uh, listeners that love Star Wars, we are the Jedi's, and the reason for that is because it's about justice equity, diversity, and inclusion. And and I will tell you that there's six of us in that committee. And so we drafted a statement about um, what we are seeing in our nation uh, to our uh, our previous conversation that we were talking about how health inequities and climate change are deeply interconnected, right? And we we talked about... uh, uh, social injustice, we talked a little bit about racism, uh, uh, police brutality, or, or some of these aspects that we are seeing in our community, right? And then we also moved my, the conversation to be more aspirational about what we'd like to see in the future and what it's going to take to get us there, and then to a certain uh, extent, we outlined the strategy that we would like to see Annie take, uh, so that we continue to engage in that dialogue. I, I will tell you that that our committee is is very um, intuitive about um, the challenges in the community. Uh, we deeply understand that we need to engage. Everyone, it, we also understand that that um, uh, communities need more information. we We feel that nurses are right. and then and then lastly, we do see climate change as a justice issue, and so we, we do feel that, uh, that there's a lot of work that needs to be done. But um, Annie, in many ways, which is the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments, is leading in many of these discussions, and as a nursing collaborative, I think we really have enhanced the voice uh, of this important subject across the nation, and I would even say across the world, eh, because it is important, and, and we need to be at the table.
0: Yes, well, thank you so much as a as a member of Annie. Thank you so much for doing that work, and um, I agree um, that um, it uh, many many organizations are coming out with statements right now. But this is, I believe, that Annie work is a little bit more foundational and it addresses mm-hmm. roots. It's it's not only in response to Black Lives Matter, even though that's a very important thing to respond to. It's really kind of digging down into those, as you said, those structures that um, make it. Oh, so difficult to unwind from, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, I have another question for you, which is a little bit more wonky, probably, but I'm just really interested in your point of view about this. And um, in the fellow, I'm sorry, in the American Academy of Nursing, and you are a fellow, as as am I, we are currently working on a um, policy statement, more or less, about the social environmental determinants of health. So, trying to expand the definition of the more traditional um, social determinants of health to include environmental and, you know, from my perspective, particularly from those big environmental issues that tend to get overlooked when we when we think at a community level. So, climate change, biodiversity loss, um, you know, the rupturing of our um, land use stability that makes it easier, for instance, for a pandemic to break free. Some of some of those issues, as well as the more um, um, familiar issues like toxic spills and air pollution. So we're thinking about that in terms of well, well, in what ways is environment um, a, a horse of a different color, sort of, compared to some of the more um, familiar social determinants have you do you have insight into that or thoughts about that or how would you see that
1: I, I think Beth I, I I think everything you mentioned is is important right when when you look at at um, environment one of the things you know because I, I lead so much in Latino communities is um, um, when, when I look at, at environment I, I also see a lot of community design right a uh, uh, housing structure, uh, 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 and, and I'll give you an example. Um, um, I, I told you I'm a nurse practitioner, and, and I remember a few years back, uh, not, not, too, not too long ago, Beth, um, I was talking to a colleague of mine, and the colleague said, um, You know, I, I give all my diabetic patients. Uh, the same medical advice, right about uh, nutrition and exercise. It just happens to be that some of my patients are non-compliant, and and um, I, I said, "Oh, really? Uh, tell me a little bit more uh, about that." And then it it it, it 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 he probably understood that that th- there was an edge. On, on how I said it, right? But but it, it got me thinking, uh, Beth. There's there's so much to environment, right? Um, it, particularly with a diabetic patient, and in, 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 in um not not to elaborate on this, but uh, it, you you can't if you're a low socioeconomic uh, Latino, right? Or if I'm a low socioeconomic Latina and I can't afford a gym membership and exercise is, is hard for me. Perhaps I can't walk around the block, right? Because I have sidewalks in disrepair because the Phoenix heat is unbearable because I might have stray dogs, right? Because my community might be gang ridden. Yeah, my nutrition is not the best, but you know what? Fruits and vegetables are expensive. Oftentimes, right? If I'm diabetic, pre-diabetic, getting a diabetic food box is not an alternative, right? There's there's just so many things and so I've always loved the conversation, Beth, about an environment because one thing is is climate environment, and another is is uh, is community design. But uh, kudos to you and in, in the the academy for working on these. You know, I've always said that the academy, to a certain extent, is is um, is the organization uh, that that can really. Um, um, and enhance and bring forward these these types of conversations, right? And, and they're a leading entity uh, in the voice for these communities. And so it's important that uh, that we engage in these communities, and more specifically, that that we shine light on the discrepancies that we're seeing within ethnic minority communities.
0: Yes, exactly. Well, thank you for that. Um, we are getting winding down time wise. I wanted to ask if. Um, particularly if you had advice for other nurses. You, you are a role model, Annabelle. Your career is fascinating. You've really, as I said earlier, been able to draw together uh, these interests in, a, in very complex uh, work. It is not easy to keep in mind all of the things that you are balancing at once and integrating them. So I just wonder, do you have advice for other nurses, either nurses who are getting started or nurses who are deeper in their careers and are really interested in health equity? What would you What would you say? Or an environment?
1: Sure, you, you know I I have many thoughts, uh, Beth. But um, um, the 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 ones that come to mind is, um, you know, I I would say first and foremost, um, we we need to engage on the subject. Um, we share the planet, and and we must build a collective power, right, to engage on the on the subject, and so. Um, I believe nurses should play a role in addressing climate change. And we can support our healthcare systems, right? We can do things at home. Uh, We can support intersexual action. We can undertake research and education, um, et cetera. More importantly, however, Beth, I've always considered us, and maybe it's because I'm a Latina nurse, right? And I'm always in the community at health fairs and at events and serving the, the underserved and the underinsured, right, and the, and the, uh, and the uninsured and, and all of that. Um, I, I really feel that the nurse, us as nurses, we are experts in educating and advocating for communities. And we are also experts in grassroots event. I will tell you that that climate anxiety in our communities is real. And, and when I see the conversations about climate justice, or or climate equity and environmental justice, oftentimes I I see these conversations be very academic, right? Or or, or very much focused on on people that are already great advocates out in our community. I, I would say as nurses... Let's learn to to advocate and to communicate because we need to engage the local communities and give them practical, tangible information so that they can engage as citizens. One of the things I find, Beth, in the community is people feel like I used to feel when I was young and I was trying to undertake studies, right, in ecology and evolutionary biology. Just They feel overwhelmed. Um, we, we need to involve them in climate-friendly action, in, 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 in subjects around climate mitigation, adaptation, and even restoration, because it's more uplifting. Um, I, I would say, Beth, uh, there is less space for anxiety emotionally when you take practical steps through it. And, and I think as nurses, we are poised to lead those efforts in our communities,
0: Beautifully said. I'm so inspired just listening to you. <laughs> and I wanted to come back to something because we I meant to address it earlier. and Tell us a bit about your work with the National Association for Hispanic Nurses.
1: Sure, sure. Um, so I, I've been a member, Beth, of the National Association of Hispanic Nurses for many decades. <laughs> I, I love the work of the National Association of Hispanic Nurses. I will tell you that NAN represents the voice of 180,000 nurses advocating for a healthcare system that's more equitable, more affordable, and more accessible. And so it's it's been my privilege to be part of this organization, not not only because of my activities in the community, but because of the leadership experiences that I've received within the organization. I am immediate past president of the National Association of, of Hispanic Nurses, which is the large organization. And um, um, this 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 organization houses my mentors, my friends, right, and people that are truly devoted to see me succeed. And so. It's it's been a pleasure to be part of this. You know, I got engaged in Annie, Beth, because of NAN, because NAN, the National Association of Hispanic Nurses, joined Annie. And as, as a collaborative of many nurses organization, I was the liaison from NAN. Or, or from Annie back to non. And so I, I've, I, it, it just gave me a voice and, and it uplifted me. And so now I'm on the board of Annie too. But anyway, I, I love Nan, I love Annie. And more than anything, I'm passionate about this work. I, I think we're barely getting started and there's much more that we can do uh, on climate justice and environmental um, or, or climate equity and environmental justice.
0: Thank you for, for talking about that. And I just have to say, Annabelle, it's a good thing for the world that you are in it.
1: I bet I feel the <laughs> same way about you. That's that's. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you'd like to say today, Annabelle? No, I I think I'm good. Other than Beth, I I, I feel privileged to get the opportunity to share this space with you. I've looked up to you for so many years. You are a dynamite in this space, and I am happy to be undertaking this dialogue with you today.
0: Well, likewise, Annabelle. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
1: Appreciate it.
0: Bye-bye. It was wonderful to speak with Annabelle Castro Thompson today. I am more inspired than ever to focus on equitable health and justice in my work. Thank you again to Annabelle and thank you all for listening to this podcast and to the past three seasons of podcasts. We'll be back in the early autumn. All of the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcasts can be found at envirn.org and please leave a review for us wherever you get your podcasts. Talk to you next time.